What's up, everybody? Welcome to the inaugural episode of Inbound Closer, advanced training for closers, sales pros, and influencers. You can find out more about us at inboundcloser.com. My name is Taylor Watch. I'm the co-founder of a company called Sales Mentor, and I've got my business partner, Eli Wild. Eli is uh, one of the best influencers, communicators. He's a linguist. You know what that means? I do. You're a master of language, <laughs> and uh, he is absolutely lethal when it comes to conversion closing, not only from a uh, inbound standpoint, but from stages. You've, you've spoken at Tony Robbins events. You have closed from the stage. You've trained salespeople at Tony Robbins. Yeah, we actually just had the UPW event, Unleash the Power Within, in Miami. And um, myself and Tony's brother-in-law just spent a whole day, about 15 hours. The days that a Robbins event are long. Yes. And the training sessions are long. We go until, as uh, Jim Rohn would say. Yes. Legendary. Legendary. And uh, you have so many new opportunities even inside of the Robbins organization. But I was able to, I was able to grab you and uh, take some of the gold and put it into Sales Mentor. And so I thought we would just wrap a little bit about your founder story, how you got started in sales. I don't know how much you sold because I think that um, there are a bunch of different numbers floating around out there. It's probably north of 100 million, but we don't know the exact number because you're a man of mystery. Mm -hmm. And you don't like people knowing the specifics unless you want to tell us right now. Well, I'll... uh, A billion. Where do do I begin? A billion. Um, Well, at the events, you know, I've been to Tony events and on the last day... As a team, we've done you know over forty million on the last day, and so it's a little bit different animal. And Crazy. as far as you know, me going out, there's prospecting, there's on the phone, there's so many different things, and people understand how big that brand is. And I've been the top person there for so long. Um, now I do my own thing, and and we got this thing, which is amazing. But it's been it's been a fascinating ride, and it's it's very complex animal. Yeah. But a lot of it's based on the strength of the brand, not just the salespeople. Tony's obviously a beast. Um, not to say that I can take credit for all of that, but even Tony um, helped push the legacy of Jim Rohn. Yeah. I mean, a lot of us wouldn't know who he was if it wasn't for Tony out there preaching. And well, so, uh, I love the humility. You're yeah. the humblest man in sales. Yeah, How'd you thanks. get started in sales? What was the first memory? You know, I moved to Los Angeles was it 2012? And prior to that, I'd done some acting and things like that. Um, and I needed a job and I wanted to get a job at Enterprise Rent-A-Car. But I remember going in there, I was like, this is just miserable. And this is terrible. And my friend said, why don't you work at this dental place? I was like, well, what'd I do? I said, we'll put you on sales. So I did phone sales. And it's, it was the first time I ever had a job where my income wasn't by the hour or like a set salary. Yeah. And I really got it very quickly. Like the better that I am, the more money I can make. Yep. And there was people there on the sales floor driving Mercedes and doing really well. And some people not so well. And when I met these people, looked them in the eye, we would go to conferences as well. And it was clear to see who was the favorite, who was the best, how they presented themselves, how they communicated. And we also had the opportunity to listen to our own calls. And I could hear even my own calls and we're all our own worst critic. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure even for yourself, as silky smooth as your voice is, the first time we hear our own voice it's on awful. a voicemail, it's like, it's is that terrifying. what I sound like? Yeah. And I noticed I would talk really fast and I'd get excited or I'd say something, or I would ask a question 
and the person couldn't understand me. Yeah. And as we say, value isn't always more, it's clarity. Yes. And confused prospects don't buy. And I remember hearing myself on the phone and be like, wow, I sound like that. And I could tell when they couldn't understand me. And so one of the things I did, and I think I might've mentioned this to you, on the way back and forth from work, I kept a pencil in my mouth like this. I bit it and I would say affirmations or I would say the alphabet, anything to condition my mouth to articulate better. And so, you know, the quality of your life is the quality of your communication and the quality of your communication is the response that you get. So how do you know if you're a good communicator? It's based upon your response. It has nothing to do with your ego and your mindset. Like I'm really good and people like me, whatever. But at the end of the day, are people engaged in what you're saying? Do you have impact and do your words move people to action? Do they land? And mine didn't. And so I'd listen to my calls over and over again, and I was like, this sucks. But I realized also, we're, it's not like there's, like there's the growth mindset and the fixed mindset. I had a, a growth mindset where I was like, this isn't how I am, it's who I've become. And I've become this way of communicating inefficiently, and I can become something else if I figure out how I can change it and how I can condition myself, condition my communication. And so I did that. But to back up more, when I was a kid, I had big gaps in my teeth right here. And so I had a lot of insecurity around yeah. my mouth. I didn't want to like smile and open my mouth really big. And that tension, that insecurity kept me from really fully expressing myself. And so some of it, as much of it is like physical, it's also mental. Um, and one of our favorite books, the Maxwell Malk's book, uh, Psycho-Cybernetics. Yeah. yeah, they talk about how he would remove a scar from somebody's face, but they still had a scar on the inside. And so if somebody has been in sales for a long time and they've made lots of offers to unqualified prospects or people have said no, that can damage your self-esteem. And that scar can carry you into the good opportunity. And so really interrupting our own pattern, taking Mm -hmm. the old and doing away with it, taking what we can learn and applying it to this new conversation with new eyes and a new state can really compel us to move forward. Yeah. But I got the job and... At Enterprise, right? No, at uh, at a company called Discus Dental. Okay. And, you know... Oh, yeah, the dental. And that's where you listen to your first calls. Yeah. How did you go from there to... What's the transition from there to Tony? You know, um, I'll finish one little piece on that, that Discus Dental thing. Um, The two owners, Robert Heyman and Bill Dorfman. Bill Dorfman was on a TV show called Extreme Makeover, where they like completely redo yeah. people's everything. And so he was like Dennis to the Stars, Brad Pitt, all these people. And we became really good friends. And Robert is, they, they sold the company uh, maybe about 10 years ago now for $480 million. Nice. And it's not bad. Yeah, not bad. And Robert, Bill's like good looking guy, sharp guy, but Robert was this guy, his, his poise, his stature. He would walk across the sales floor and everybody would kind of, perk up. There was like a fear. There was an excitement. This guy had presence and poise and vision. And the way he carried himself was so profound. And one day I remember he sent out an email in the internet to the entire company. And I was like, oh my God, I have access to this man. And so I would ask him questions every now and then. And I got permission and I'd say, I see you're doing this. Really admire that. Give a compliment and say, would it be okay if I asked you a question about this and that? And we just had a dialogue after a while and he recommended me some books on sales, on life, um, the Scott Peck book, uh, The Road Less Traveled. Yes. And he just really opened my mind up to things like self-development. And he was just such a, a phenomenal man. 
and he became a mentor. So we started working out at Gold's Gym at like four in the morning. And I would ask him all these questions about his routine and everything. And I got into all the self-development stuff, but I was doing well at the company, but I wasn't very happy sitting there, you know, just taking calls all day. And I just, I, would, I didn't want to be in the dental world. It wasn't yeah. really my thing. Yeah. And uh, at the time I was also acting, doing commercials. And sometimes I'd book it, sometimes not. And also I got direct feedback, whether I sucked and you get to see in video. Like, all right, that sucked. I can see why that wasn't good. Yeah. And you can see the also feedback loop was there. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I got further into the self-development stuff on confidence, hypnosis, then NLP. And somebody said to me, well, you should check out Tony Robbins. And I was like, who's Tony Robbins? And all the think and grow rich, all the principles that you learn that are powerful didn't really get to the core of me like Tony did because he talked about emotions, like you can learn principles like persistence and discipline and drive and making decisions. But the reason people don't, there's an emotion that's, that drives somebody. Emotion is energy and motion. And sometimes we get stuck. And my level of understanding and compassion for myself and others in that moment, I think really opened me up and took away the judgment. And one of the things that we teach is if you judge somebody, you can't influence somebody. You immediately put up a wall and they feel the judgment. So we need to understand them, connect to them, and also appreciate them and appreciate ourselves when we mess up. And that that filtering in these conversations, the filtering on my sales calls, the filtering in my auditions, where I wasn't creating this, this like parasite, draining my energy of self-judgment, of persona, trying to be something I wasn't. Right. And just this authentic connection came through. And when I could see other people being inauthentic, when I could see other people lying about who they were, or what they wanted, or not really playing a big game in life, I could call them on their stuff without being offensive. Man, I wasn't like judging them saying like, hey, you're wrong. I was like, man, I, I've done that too. Yeah. And there's actually a better way. Would it be okay if I, if I, sh- I see what you're doing and it's all right. And then just assuming it and moving forward and stepping into that role of leader. Yeah. And that dialogue for me became a habit and became really fulfilling. So how did you get the job with Tony after you discovered who he was? Well, I, I remember I got the book unlimited power and then I went on eBay and I got his, uh, the personal power. I was really broke at the time. So I had, I was doing acting stuff, mainly making money, but it's very hit or miss. And I got the personal power tapes for $7 and 92 cents. Amazing. And I had my little Toyota Camry and I remember just driving around and just for hours in that car. I listened to like the whole thing over and over again. And I was like, man, this guy's amazing. Then he just get the edge program was like a hundred bucks. I got it for on eBay. And he mentioned his unleash the power within seminar. And I saw it was pretty expensive online. It's like a thousand bucks or something. And I saw in the, there was something called the learning annex. It was like a weekend thing where the Donald Trump, Susie Orman, Robert Kiyosaki, um, no money down, a real estate guy, basically these pitch fest where people would sell things from stage. And I've been to those things before, pretty cheesy, not my thing. It was a hundred bucks to go. It was about 40,000 people showed up and I was there just to see Tony. He was opening the event and everybody there was kind of a, kind of a douche, but this guy, Tony was supposed to speak for about two hours. He spoke for four and a half. And at the end of it, he says, if you got anything from these four hours, spend four days with me, I'll change your effing life or give you your effing money back because sign up for this event and just so much certainty. And he just owned it. And I felt authentically like this man wanted to help, but he was selling you, but he was selling with the intent to serve you. And you really felt that. And so I used my rent money and I signed up for his event. And at that event, 
I, I took so much from what I'd been learning in sales and influence and communication, and I knew I needed to connect with certain key people there at the room. It was only about 2,500 people back then was a big seminar for, for Tony's event. I went to it. You walk on the fire, you drink the Kool-Aid, you do the thing. You have this amazing experience. I was like, wow. I remember calling my mom, calling all these people. I've like, I've just had the most amazing experience of my life. And I was so fired up and I didn't want to let it go. And at those events, you see people go to seminars, they get all pumped up and then they go right back to their so old. who they used to be. Yeah. Yeah. Because the change isn't ecologically sound because they go home to an environment that doesn't support them. And Tony talked a lot about that on the third day. He says, yeah, here you are now. You look like you have a cape on. You're walking around all confident. But what happens when you get home? You're going to lower your standards because you have a strong need for connection. And most people's lives are a direct reflection of the expectations of their peer group. Yeah. And so they lower their standards. And he says, you have to change everything if you really want to keep this. And he was very upfront. And I was like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change everything. And I figured, wow, it'd be pretty cool. I got the idea. I was like, actually, I was talking to somebody that was my little partner for the seminar. And he said, I'm going to, I'm going to work for this company. I'm going to be a speaker someday. And I'm actually still in touch with the guy. Um, but I could see he was just saying that out of ego and it was his idea. And it meant like 50 other people that said, I'm going to work for Tony Robbins company. I'm going to be on stage someday. And I thought to myself, they're probably not. Mm. And then I thought I am though, like, that's a great idea. I'm going to do it. And I went out on the break. I think it was the second or third day. And there was a book that Tony talked about at that event called Thinking Grow Rich that changes life. And I went out there. I was so broke at the time. I had two cans of tuna in my backpack and that book, Thinking Grow Rich. So I was on the break eating my cans of tuna and I open up the story, the, the, the book, Thinking Grow Rich. And I just look at the first story. It's about a man named Edward C. Barnes on the chapter on desire. And he's talking about this man who's changing the world with his mind, a guy named Thomas Edison. And he hears about this man and he says, wow, this guy's changing the world. I'm going to be partners with Thomas Edison. And I was like, wow, what a great story. And he talks about how he did it and the, the addictophone and how they became partners. And he took over this thing and became partners with Thomas Edison. And I wrote down in my book that day, I said, I'm going to be partners with Tony Robbins. And so everything I did for the next year was toward that goal. And I made some connections there at the event that day. Um, but the company was such a mess. I called the company at least 200 times in the next week. And then more after that, eventually I had the right person on the phone. I was calling like the sales department, the customer service, like everything. Oh my and they were gosh. just blowing me off. And I thought they were just doing it on purpose, but I went there to the company eventually. I got the right person on the phone and invited me down to the company. I drove down there and I was doing my incantations the whole way down there, all fired up. And I obviously impressed the guy because he gave me a script, like a 48 page script. He said, come back here in two weeks. Don't F up one word and you got to deliver this thing. And I was like, I'm going to do it. I recorded myself. I scripted it out on note cards. I recorded myself on audio and I went to bed with it just playing over and over and over again. All I did is live and breathe this script. And I went down there and I just, I killed this thing. So they gave me a job and there was like one local, it was called an LSR, a local sales rep. And then they had this uh, FSR, field sales rep. And that's what I became. So they put me right into the field, started training with other really accomplished speakers in in Philadelphia, Jersey, and then New York City for about two months. And then I was in Colorado just on the, on the road doing it myself. But after I saw Tony at that UPW, I wrote down that I'm be partners with Tony. One year later to the day, I was living with Tony's son, Jarek, and his brother-in-law, Scott. And Tony at that time wasn't going to do live events anymore. We had these digital delivery events. We called it TNT, Tony Not There. <laughs> 
And it would be basically you paid about 1200 bucks. You got Tony's audio program, Get the Edge. You got coaching from not him, but a, a coach. Mm-hmm. And you went to a digital delivery event where basically you went to a movie theater. Like a simulcast or something. Well, yeah. it's like it wasn't live though. Oh. It was like, but literally it was in a movie theater. Like there's Jurassic Park playing, Terminator, Tony Robbins event. Mm. And instead of paying $7 or $8 for a ticket, you paid $1,200 and you're there. So it didn't, it didn't do well. Um, for a lot of reasons too, that was 2008, um, 2007, 2008, when the economy wasn't so great. And he, he was rolling out that plan around that time though. I think it was about 2007 when he was rolling out this plan and he let us know what it was going to look like, the comp plan, the marketing, everything. And he says, this is the future of the company. And he says, I want you to know right now, if you're in this room and he looks right at me and he goes, you're my partner. And as, and I was like, so powerful. And I went home that day, I journaled and it was one year later to the exact day that I wrote down, I'm going to be partners with Tony. He looks at me and goes, you're my partner. I was like, that's pretty crazy. But I've been visualizing it and thinking about it every single day. And I would listen to this CD called daily magic every morning. Uh, I was just the other day with the top trainer, um, who's currently with Tony, Tony's company. His name's Mike Savage. And we both listened to this one training over and over again called daily magic. It's like very get up in the morning, you're moving and breathing and doing all these different Tony things for your hour of power. And in there, Tony's talking about his family. He's talking about this, that. He's just, he's just very open in this training. And I just began to visualize talking to this guy all the time. And he became like a mentor in my mind. And before I know it, I'm living with his son and his brother-in-law. And now he texts me all the time and we're just become really, really good friends. It's basically psycho-cybernetics. Yeah. It's the same thing. Same thing. Um, 200 calls in a week. At least. I feel like most people are just lazy. Well, sometimes too, I think... You one know, company, 200 calls. Yeah, and, and sometimes I get the same person on the phone, so I'd hang up. <laughs> you know? uh, you got to know your outcome. You got to know what you want. Well, who's, who's somebody successful that hasn't had the obsession? Nobody. Nobody. You got to have the... Yeah. I've, it's funny that people are like, man, I want to earn this much money or I want to do this or oh. that, but they're so lazy lazy yeah that they you're on ebay yeah sending your rent money away for training every yeah. everybody who's legendary at this point has that moment yeah. where they have an actual back against the wall moment mm-hmm. how are you going to pay for rent you know yeah you just you had to have it had it wasn't an it. option um yeah. you've talked about this before about just the difference between a want and a need yeah and uh you needed it it had to happen 200 calls bro is a lot. ended up being more than that eventually. But I think also people that are really successful in anything, they also enjoy the process. I was watching this uh, training. You know David Goggins? Yeah. This guy's Navy SEAL, and people talk about... I trained him. him. <laughs> I'm his physical trainer. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. I, I can see That's that. I can see that. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, and he's intense and he's serious, but he enjoys it. Yeah. Like Jocko Wilnick, these Navy SEALs, people talk about how hard they are and how yeah. tough. They get a... It's almost a sadistic satisfaction out of that that you got to enjoy the process and being playful being like it's a game like i'm trying to get to something we lose that and there's a childlike level of play that you can have with your success it's not a half dude have you ever watched kids play they're intense intense the level of intensity when you're passionate about something is crazy it is i feel like people have it all messed up because they just want to be um they want to be chill and Mm -hmm. they want to be non-committal that's the, that's the term that I would like attach to most people who are just aimless, just yeah. noncommittal. But dude, success is an intense game. It is. It's, yeah. the, it's game seven of the NBA finals mm-hmm. every day. Yeah. And 
you have to have we'll talk later on this about energy you have to have the reserves to do that before yeah. though um let's bring you down you're not communicating how lethal and terrifying you are as a salesperson this is like tell us that story that you shared in the dominican republic mm-hmm. about when tony gave you those three options and mm. do you remember this story when you had, you got pissed off at someone yeah. and you fired an email to like all these people yeah, and Tony yeah. was like, you can work for free or you can take a vacation. Do you remember that story? Yeah. I usually don't tell that story too often, but, uh, you know, long story short, I was on pace to break my own like record within the company for ticket sales. And this woman, uh, basically had just say, let's just say finagled the system a bit and cheated. Yes. And I wasn't too happy about it. And uh, I said some things and she responded back and I said some more things. And then from there, I was very clear and uh, that this was mine. And it's, uh, you know, it's interesting when Tony says something about it, as a top salesperson, you do have, I, don't, I, would, I hate to use the word ego, but that's what it is. Yep. You do have a sense of pride in what you do and being the best. Um, you know, if you're Michael Jordan, you're relentless. You're Kobe, it's like, you're, this, is, this is mine. I take it. Yep. And you, you stake your claim. And, um, and when you're also the top person in the company consistently, everybody's kind of going for you. And I would turn around and teach people exactly what I'm doing. I'm like, you model it too, but also like there's, there's a, there's going to be some things that, you know, is untouchable. And this woman leaned in a little bit too much, a lot too much. And we had some words, but, um, I said a lot of things to that I shouldn't have. And Tony called me and HR department on the phone and everything too. So this is a real, this is like a big deal. Yeah. HR's on the phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so Because you were ruthless with this ruthless, person. Ruthless, ruthless. Yeah. I'm pretty, I'm like such a nice guy, but I'm, I'm you, lethal. You I'm, are, I'm, that's I'm, what uh, I'm saying. Like yeah. sometimes people don't understand, <laughs> like you'll, you could snap your fingers and obliterate everyone. Yeah. You have a power in you. Yeah. And you're so humble that people don't always pick up on it because you're smiling and you're just like a nice guy. It's like, I am a nice Eli guy. Eli will pay for lunch, yeah. but he also owns the restaurant and nobody knows it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the, so anyways, it's you crazy. went off on this lady and yeah. they called you and what happens? I don't, let me think. What were the options? Um, one, I could resign. This is Tony telling you this, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the big dog. Yep. And I was like, cause I was thinking it was just going to be something, but that was the first option. I was like, Ooh, all right. Yeah. This is a big deal. Uh, option two, I could take a two week leave of absence with no pay or option three, I could work for three weeks and give away, like give away my income to Feeding America, which is a charity that Tony really, really likes, uh, on pace to feed, I think it's like a hundred billion people or something he wants to feed or something, some, or a hundred million, some, something crazy, a billion, a, a lot of meals. Yeah. And I took that third option and what he wanted to see, and I kind of knew this, but I didn't think that, um, I didn't think it all the way through, but I just knew that I was going to, going to work because I was committed to my number. And the money didn't matter that much to me, but I wanted to get the tickets and I wanted to be number one. I wanted to break this record. And, and that's what meant the most to me is like I, my sense of pride on the line. I want to change all these lives. I want it to be me. And yeah. even if I'm closing tickets for other sales reps, I want the numbers. I want to be number one. I want to be the best. I want to change those lives. I want to get the reps. I want to be speaking. I want to be out there. It's going to be me and I'm going to do this. And so I worked and those three weeks and I didn't get paid. And... Um, 
the money went to Feeding America. But what Tony wanted to see, and when he followed up with me a couple weeks later, he saw that in those weeks where I wasn't getting paid, I didn't take my foot off the gas because I could have basically just run those meetings, got those tickets, got that revenue and sandbag them, meaning just put those tickets in a couple weeks later. But that's not what's going to be best for the client. And they knew that I could have done that. And I could have just held them for two weeks and said, hey, we're going to process these in two weeks. And it would have made, it would have meant tens of thousands of dollars extra to my pocket. But that's not what's going to serve the client. And so I put the tickets in right away. And some of them were like really expensive tickets on each ticket. I'm making like $600 commission, $800 commission, you know, meetings where I'm making like five, $6,000 for an hour's worth of work. And it'd be very easy for me to just sand back. It's a lot of money, but I put it all right in and I did better in those weeks where I wasn't getting paid. than when I was getting paid, I dominated, I sold all the most expensive tickets and I pushed people so hard um, at those meetings because it really wasn't for me. And I felt an integrity pushing people for their reasons, not for mine. And it's real. It was really not for mine. A little bit for mine because I wanted to be the best, and I want, but I wanted to be the best at changing their life. Yeah. And well, so, we talk about this inside of Sales Mentor, and I, the term I have for it is moral authority. Yeah. And I want to see with my team, can mm-hmm. you be trusted with my clientele? Can you be trusted with, you know, this is maybe going it's a little bit into the tactical stuff, but, you know, when I was selling a lot, Mm-hmm. And uh, I used to take, you know, 200 calls a month that were inbound, and then I would do follow-ups. And, you know, I was on the phone all the time. Mm-hmm. And I used to say all the time, what I would do if I were you. Yeah. Here's what I would do if I were you. And it wasn't a tactic for me. It was legitimately, this is what I would do. And sometimes I said, here's what I would do if I were you. I would wait. I would, you know, I was able to demonstrate to people that I actually cared more about what... The, the best way to win is if the people around you win. Yeah. And I think... Sales has become, it's gotten into a nasty place where the rep, reputation of sales professionals is not as good as it, it should be mm-hmm. because sales as a whole has become self-service. Yeah. And you think about this person who, they will sell you a car or the engine's broke because they just want to get it off the lot. Mm-hmm. And I think that me and you, what we've partnered up here to do is to reverse that, yeah. that feeling in the market. And the way we're training our salespeople is that sales is the ultimate service, not self-service, mm-hmm. but service of other people. And uh, I really respect it about you because that's why you're so good at sales is the moment that you decided it wasn't going to be about you, your numbers went up, yep. you know, and people have to, it's a little bit of a mind, a mind game. Mm-hmm. The more you focus on your own, what do you get out of the situation? The less influence you have yep. over other people. Yeah. And it was so great being part of that team, that organization. I'm still, I'll always be connected to Tony. Like we just did the training a couple of weeks ago in, in Miami with the entire team. But I always bring this up with the team. Like when I started with the company, we were all, there was about a dozen of us with the same product, same price point, same script, same words, same question, selling the same event to the same target audience, everything the same. But my sales were often three, five times higher than everybody else within the company saying the same words. So motive does matter. And so does the intent. And it's also when you get that pushback from the client, I got to think about it. There's going to be a reaction out of you or a response. And so you got to be prepared, number one. And we always tell the the analogy, if you play a a child at a video game, they shoot for 45 minutes, you shoot for 10 seconds and you're dead. The game's the same and they're not smarter than you. They've played the game before. The reps are higher. Yeah. But some people keep on playing the game 
not knowing the cheat codes. Yeah. And the cheat code is not a cheat code. It's just empathy and understanding. And it's authentically caring. And it's also knowing when the bad guy comes out in two minutes, he's going to do this. He's going to jump out here. And then there's another guy here. I got to think about it. Got to talk to my spouse. Got to recognize that within the first five, 10 minutes and not be like, oh my God, and react. Yep. But to almost expect it, appreciate it, understand it, know where it's coming from and know that there might be a way around it if that person chooses. And I, I get a lot of these questions and we'll get into this in other episodes, but a lot of the stuff that I've, I've done in sales training hasn't been purely just based in sales training. I mean, of course, I love sales trainings. I read everything. But with Tony, he would turn around an intervention with like a suicide and a bunch of them. And I thought to myself one day, I was like, man, if this dude can turn around a suicide, I can turn around a sale. I can turn around. I got to think about it. I got to talk to my spouse. 100%, yeah. And so it's just, it's really just the, the standard. I think that trying to get money out of somebody like that's setting the bar very low as opposed to turning around somebody's entire life for how they think and how they make decisions and who they want to become because what got them to this call is they realized something's out of alignment. Something's yeah. not working for them. Yeah. And it, you know, there's a series of questions that will take people through where they begin to make different distinctions about who they are, where they are, why they're there, what's causing that, the impact, and what's out of alignment for this desire that they have to actually come true. And once we dig under the surface a bit, but being completely unattached, connected, but not attached. We call it high intention, low attachment, HILA. And so that frame of being and reflecting back and understanding is what really gets people to open up. And you create this, this container, if you will, where people feel safe, non-judged. And like, this is a place where they can actually grow and evolve. And that's supposed to feel uncomfortable. So it's normal that you're feeling these feelings, that's part of the process. This is it. And so I think that if people can really sink in with that, it shifts things. Good stuff, dude. Uh, next episode, we're going to talk about my founder story, awesome. how I got started. And uh, it's going to be a doozy. Doozy. Can't wait.